This is Trice Talk, mini-pod for Friday, June the 11th, 2021. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Mini-Pod. Well, in case you haven't uh, listened to one of the mini-pods before, this is kind of like a 30-minute version of the Trice Talk Live series that myself and Dennis Lee do four times a week on Podbeam. Uh, this is just generally mini pod is a 30 minute show. Sometimes it'll run maybe 45. Uh, and I typically do these by myself, uh, since it's such a short show. And I usually pick one topic. Sometimes there'll be two if the show or if the topics are short enough that I can squeeze two in within the 30 minute time frame. Uh, sometimes I will do commentaries myself on different events of the day. And then sometimes I will actually read from articles, uh, that I find very interesting and informative and make a statement that I feel like would be beneficial to our listeners to, uh, hear. Uh, so tonight, a lot of times, again, if you watch or listen to us on Trice Talk, you know that I use a lot of stuff from Mike Huckabee's site, uh, either the morning edition or the evening edition uh, of his newsletter. And uh, also, if you watch Fox News on a regular basis, you will recognize the name Victor Davis Hanson. Well, he's the person that's doing, uh, has written this commentary that I'll be using tonight. And the title of it, it is this isn't your father's left-wing revolution. Uh, let me switch over here to uh, my old trusty Podbeam background music, which is such a wonderful selection <laughs> for us to use for background, but it works. All right, so I'm going to talk about just give you a little bit of background about uh victor davis hansen in case you are not familiar with him he is a conservative commentator a classicist and a military historian he is also a professor of classics uh Emetrius at california state university he's also a senior fellow in classics and military history at Stanford University. 
a fellow of Hillsdale College, and a distinguished fellow of the Center for American Greatness. Hansen also has written 16 books, which I, I didn't know that about him. I knew that he'd written a few, uh, including The Western Way of War, Field Without Dreams. I wonder if that's a uh, spinoff from Field of Dreams. I don't know because I haven't read the book. And the last one, which he has just published uh, recently, The Case for Trump. So, uh, again, if you watch Fox News, he's used quite often to comment on some of the um, uh, questions of the day that they have there. He's, you know, he's on Tucker Carlson. He's also on Sean Hannity. And a lot of times he'll even be on Laura Ingram's show. I've actually seen him on during the day, so I'm not really sure when this gentleman sleeps. But uh, he gets used a lot on uh, Fox News probably because he is so well published and uh, being a historian by trade, uh, you know, he gets to make a lot of comparisons um, from what's going on today to what went on in the past, especially since there's so many leftists in this country right now that are wanting to drag up things of the past and, um, you know, make that an issue uh, for today. So, I'm going to read this commentary. This isn't your father's left-wing revolution. He starts by saying, Starry-eyed radicals in the 1960s and 1970s dreamed that they either were going to take over America or destroy it. One of their favorite mottos was, change it or lose it, even as protests focused on drugs, music, race, class, sex, fashion, almost anything and everything. 60s radicals tutored America on long hair, wire rim glasses, who was a drag, a square, a bummer, and who was hip and cool, groovy mellow and far out. Most of these silly revolutionaries were not unhinged weathermen killers or SDS would-be communist, but just adolescents along for the good time ride. With the end of the draft in 1972, the winding down of the Vietnam War, the oil embargoes, and a worsening economy, the 60s revolution withered away. Cynics claim the revolution was mostly about middle-class students with long hair kicking back during the peak of the post-war boom, indulging their appetites and ensuring they would not end up in Vietnam. It was not even true that the 60s at least ensured needed reform. The civil rights movement and equal rights for women and gays were already birthed before the hippies, as were folk songs and early rock music. Instead, what the 60s revolution did was accelerate these trends, but also radicalize and manipulate and coarsen them. 
The grasping yuppies of the 1980s were the natural successors to the let-it-all-hang-out hippies. The 60s were at heart a narcissistic free-for-all when freedom often entailed self-indulgence and avoiding responsibility. By 1981, the Reagan Revolution finished off the dead-enders of the Woodstock generation. Most eventually grew up. They rebooted their self-centered drug, sex, and party impulses to fixations on money, status, and material things. 60s protesters mainline divorce, abortion, on demand, promiscuity, drug use, and one-parent homes. But by the late 1970s and the 1980s, most veteran cultural revolutionaries had gotten married, were raising a family, bought a house, got a job, and made money. This time around, the offsprings, their offspring's left-wing assault is different and far more ominous. The woke grandchildren of the former outsiders are now more ruthless, systematic insiders. The woke and the wired new establishment knows how to use money and power to rebirth America as something the founders and most current Americans never envisioned. Name one mainline institution that the woke left does not now control and warp. The media, the campus, Silicon Valley, professional sports, the corporate boardroom, foundations, the K through 12 educational establishment, the military hierarchy, the government deep state, and the FBI top echelon. The left absorbed them all. But this time around, members of the left really believe that by any means necessary is no mere slogan. Instead, it is a model of how to disrupt or destroy American customs and traditions and values. Woke revolutionaries are not panhandlers, street people, or Grateful Dead groupies. They're not even a few nutty and murderous Symbionese Liberation Army terrorists fighting against the man. They are the man. Our 21st century revolutionaries are multi-billionaires with flip-flops, tie-dye t-shirts, and nose rings. But with the absolute power and desire to censor how half the country communicates, or cancel them entirely. They don't flock to campus free speech areas. They are the campus administrators who ban free speech. They don't pick it outside the Pentagon. They are inside the Pentagon. They don't chant eat the rich. They are the rich who eat at Napa Valley's French Laundry. They don't protest uptight values because 
they are more intolerant and puritanical than any Victorian. They don't believe in radical quotas, racial quotas, I'm sorry, based on proportional representation because they are racist who demand underrepresentation of bad racial groups and overrepresentation of good groups. The color of our skin is their gospel, not the content of our character. They are top-down revolutionaries, none of their agendas from open borders and chanting, uh, changing the Constitution to critical race theory and banning clean burning fossil fuels are ever favored among a majority of the population. Their guiding principle is never let a crisis go to waste. Only in times of a pandemic, a national quarantine or volatile racial relations can the new upscale leftist revolutionaries use fear to push through policies that no one in calm times could stomach. Our revolutionaries hate dissent. They destroy any who question their media spun hoaxes. Truth is their enemy and fear is their weapon. 60s paranoid revolutionaries warned about George Orwell's 1984, but our revolutionaries are 1984. While this elitist leftist revolution is more dangerous than its sloppy 60s predecessor, it is also more vulnerable given its obnoxious top-heavy apparatus but only if the proverbial people finally say to their madness, enough is enough. And that's Victor David Hansen's commentary. Um, being a child of the 60s and remembering uh, the protesting and the rev and and the activities that went on during the 60s and early 70s, uh, I can say that he's pretty much dead on on that. Um, although, you know, the hippies get a lot of credit, uh, the, the protesters from the 1960s get a lot of credit for forcing change in this country uh, because, you know, it didn't matter uh, to hippies what color you were, blacks and whites, Hispanics, um, all races were pretty much gathered together protesting in the 1960s, especially the latter part of the 1960s. And peace and love, other than the protesting that they did, most of the violent protesting, uh, and I'm not a historian like Victor Davis Hanson, but since I did live during that time, I uh, do remember that most of the violent actions and most of the real serious protesting done at that time had to do with Vietnam, the Vietnam War, the our involvement in Vietnam, and of course the draft. So that's spurred a lot of protest back then. Other things that they would talk about was, let's give peace a chance. Make love, not war. 
those the underlying tone of a lot of the hippies movement and a lot of the protest movements of the 60s which also was kind of depicted in in uh, the film Forrest Gump as well when he went to the protest uh, rallies now of course they did become a little a uh, little more serious at I think the last one in the movie that he went to where he had to rescue Jenny from that idiot boyfriend of hers but that was later on and that and again that had a lot to do uh, with the Vietnam War and then that gave a lot of ammunition for protesters to uh, you know push back against the government but still I, I say that the underlying theme for a lot of that was you know change we need change in this country people need to get along in this country people need to love each other and respect each other and like I said give peace a chance but we're not anywhere near that point now we've gone so far beyond that everything now is about hate and division and the differences in people and so um, it's, it's quite a, a contrast and it's funny that he mentioned that, that, that a lot of the people that are doing things are, are grew up actually from the 60s and actually found out oh gee we actually have to have a job uh, we're actually going to have to have, make money or they fell in love with people and they got married, which, you know, back in the late sixties, uh, that was really the highlight of the, well, let's just move in together thing. Let's just live together thing. Marriage is an, is an old, um, it's, it's an old tradition that we don't need to honor anymore. But it's funny that a lot of those people grew up. And then they had to shed all that when they fell in love with somebody and then they wanted to have a family. So they grew out of a lot of that stuff because they realized real life is, you know, those things are necessary in a society and they're necessary for people to be happy. Not that you always have to get married and have kids to be happy. But, uh, the point is a lot of the things that, you know, we protested against, I say we, my generation in the sixties, they finally realized that, gee, you know, these things are a necessary part of life, but now it's a whole different game. It's a whole different game because they, they're, they're, they're like nothing about the society, the way it is right now. They want to erase everything about America and completely rebuild it into the image that they see and think that it should be. And maybe a lot of these uh, are grandkids of those people from the 60s and they've just evolved and uh, gotten into a more extreme version of what was going on in the 60s because there was a lot of communes and a lot of, you know, a lot of group houses and things where people live together and shared shared things until they figured out that not everybody's going to contribute and it'll always be that way that's why a lot of the uh, communes failed because some people 
uh, are going to, or some people moved into those communes that actually had no intention of contributing. They just wanted to take advantage of the free love and, and the free food and, and, the, and the freedom to do whatever you want and not really have to have a job. And the truth is, you know, there are certain things in life that are necessities and there are certain things in life that you really can't ignore and get rid of. Um, and some of that is responsibility for what you do. Some of that is responsibility for yourself uh, as far as taking care of your basic needs and your family's basic needs if you have a family and not depending on other people to do that for you, not depending on the government to take care of you. And, uh, you know, really, that wasn't the theme in the 60s. The, uh, our, our goal was not to have people take care of us. Our goal was for people, especially government, to leave us alone so we can live our lives the way we wanted to live them. But now that's evolved into, we need to be taken care of. We deserve certain things. We deserve free education. Now they even talking about people deserve a basic income just because they're here. They deserve to get money from other people who actually worked to pay taxes. So, it's a far different kind of revolution than what we started in the 1960s. A lot more violent, a lot more hateful. And it's not really about leaving us alone. It's about doing everything for us the way we want it done. All right. That's my addition to the commentary for tonight. I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this uh, edition, this episode of Minipod. This is a Friday night, so we have one more night. I'll probably do a Minipod tomorrow night. And then Sunday night, of course, is Trice Talk Live with myself and Dennis Lee. And we hope that you uh, have the time to spend with us on Sunday night um, and join us in the chat room. Or we'd love to have you call in and uh, give us your opinion on some things that are going on today. Or just kind of make any any statements that you want to make as long as I remember that Trice Talk uh, Live is not an explicit podcast. All right. Let me shut Podbeam's little music down there. And I'm just going to take my uh, little theme song and wish you a, I hope you have a great Saturday during the day tomorrow. Maybe uh, you, hopefully you'll be in an area that's not going to rain all day like it did here in the uh, Atlanta area, all uh, pretty much off and on all day on Friday. So, um, and hope to uh, see you on Sunday night. Stay safe, everybody.